Thanks for listening to the One Voice Podcast. It's a safe place for conversation on relevant topics with real life stories to encourage and inspire you along life's journey of healing from sexual abuse. I'm Mary O'Brien and now Nicole Braddock Bromley. Okay, really excited to be back here with one of our favorites, Kevin Sweeney. He's the author that we had not too long ago. Kevin's already put out his second book and we are delighted to have him with us. Hey, Kevin. Hey, well, I'm about to put it out January 3rd. Okay, it is done well, though. I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. But January 3rd is coming out. So yeah, just well, like pre-orders, pre-orders can be happening. <laughs> just like for the first one, I just started doing interviews for this actually yesterday, oh, like okay. leading up the next couple months or whatever. So I do not take for granted these opportunities to be with people hosting, to be with both of you. So thank you so much for being so kind and generous, responding so quickly. So I I appreciate you. Absolutely. Well, you bring up a lot of great topics and things I think that a lot of our listeners um, really want to engage more on and just finding a life of peace and calm Mm -hmm. and, you know, Mm -hmm. just structure and, and how to really center ourselves in this life that feels so chaotic sometimes, Um, especially when we've got trauma, you know, laced in with everything else in the world. But your latest book that is about to be released is called The Joy of Letting Go, How One Thing Has the Power to Change Everything. Mm. And wow, that is a power packed title. Um, Hmm. I think that finding joy in life is really one of our goals, especially as survivors of trauma, but letting go Ooh, that's a hard one because, you know, I think a lot of us, we want to dig our nails and our claws and our teeth into, you know, the fact that I can't let go of this thing that really hurt me. Mm-hmm. I can't let go of this person not being able to be what they should have been to me mm-hmm. um, because we have this desire to control and to fix and to all those things. And so, letting go. Um, Mm -hmm. And in your book, you said, and I I really have a lot of questions. I read the whole thing this morning. I loved it. Wow. Yes. It was so good. And just, uh, just the overall like feeling that I got as I was reading, it was just like so much more understanding and depth and like just feeling so centered on my couch in front of my fire mm. as I was reading this. I was you're all, like, I got it. Like it's like when you read yes. books like that, you're, so you're like, I, I'm, I'm there. I, I, I got am. This. <laughs> yeah. At first the title was like, oh, ooh. but then I'm like there. Yes. So mm. um, you, you talked about how um, you said you wanted to be clear that the purpose of the book is to show us that letting mm. go is not simply one thing that we do. Mm but rather Mm. that which maintains the flow of everything we do. Mm. And I love that because sometimes letting go feels like when someone tells us that it's such a toxic comment and it's like a one all fix for our healing. Mm. But the truth of what you say is it is a process, just like healing Mm. is a process. Mm. And I liked how you walked us through that. And I just wondered like, if you could kind of just share with us a little bit, maybe starting with, um, what was your favorite chapter? A disclaimer on, you know, writing a book about letting go before I say the chapter. I talk about it in the book. I'm like, I know we want thoughts on being brave. We want new ways to think about God. We want the permission to allow our lives to be unfinished and messy. We all want that. And that's all important. Mm. 
because it all embraces the reality and the truth of the process we go through in life and specifically for healing, right? Mm -hmm. But if we're honest, we're not that interested in reading books about acceptance and dying and letting go. And if we're really honest, we're less interested in actually doing these things. So I come into a book saying the one thing I want to talk about is usually the last thing people do, which Mm -hmm. is let go and accept something really hard. And yet the paradox of the title, The Joy of Letting Go, is we unconsciously avoid acceptance and letting go at all costs for the sake of survival. And I understand that because it can be such a scary thing. You're letting go of so much control. You really are surrendering. You're falling into. These are some of the hardest things on our internal journey towards healing. But the book is the joy of letting go because what I'm saying is every time we do the real work of letting go, there's always more joy on the other side. There's always more peace. There's always more of us. Like that which we thought defined us when we let go of it was actually getting in the way of who we truly were. And that's something you learn along the way through a thousand forms of Mm -hmm. letting go. So Mm -hmm. it's one of those things where as a person who cares about people, right? We we care about people. We want people to heal. We want people to wake up. I'm like, I wish I didn't have to say this to people. That in the end, after the anger, after the pity parties, after being frustrated, after blaming, I, I get all that. But in the end, there's probably something really hard we have to accept and something really challenging to let go. But when we mm-hmm. do that and the spirit can carry us through and love can carry us through and God can carry us through, all of a sudden that which we avoided became the very place where we were born again. So mm-hmm. that's my little disclaimer for people. Now, my mm-hmm. favorite chapter I don't know about favorite, but the I think the first chapter in the book is about being present. Ah, that was what I was going to bring up. Good. And I like that chapter yeah. because initially you don't think letting go has anything to do with being present, right? Mm-hmm. Like what does letting go have to do with being present? Aren't we just supposed to like, this is beautiful. I'm in Hawaii or wherever I am. But I say in that chapter, no, you, one thing you have to let go of to be present is your need to fix, to control, or to judge the moment. Mm-hmm. And If you cannot let go of the specific shape you think the moment's supposed to be and you're judging it and trying to cram this beautiful, wild, uncontrollable reality into your expectation of how the moment's supposed to be, if you can't let go of the shape of how you thought it was supposed to be, you can't be present to the wholeness of the moment. And so I like that chapter because it's very practical. I I feel like they all are. Uh But to me, it's it's a chapter that starts off with, you wouldn't think letting go has anything to do with being present. You don't think letting go has anything to do with joy or whatever it is, but actually letting go is just beneath the surface and maintains the flow, like you said, of everything that we do. So I like that the book starts there. Yeah. I do too. And I think it's something I've been thinking about a lot lately, especially as a mother, you know, just seeing how quickly and like my grandmother always told me it goes by so fast, Nicole. And I'm like, okay, but they're so annoying. And Mm. I have things I need to do. You know what I mean? Like, okay, I'm trying to, and that's another thing you brought up is the need to be productive, like Mm. letting that go. And so it's always like busy doing all these things and I'm missing all these moments. And now my kids are entering their teen years and I am seeing it. Actually, grandma, you were right. I hate to admit it. And Mm. she doesn't hear me say this on the podcast, (laughs) but you were right. But Mm. so sitting with that and realizing, like you said, letting go. Oh, I got to find it. It was so good. 
in the end, letting go gives you nothing. And within mm-hmm. that experience of nothing, you receive everything. Mm. And that, Kevin, is what I feel like I'm learning that in my everyday life with my children is that letting go of all of these other things on my to-do list certain days or letting go the need to create a bigger platform or do these Mm. things for work or, you know, fight for injustice in the world, you know, fight against injustice in the world and, and, and helping all these other people. It's like, if I can settle into this moment, especially in Advent season, I feel like it's even Mm. more appropriate, but I do find that it is everything. I really, truly do. And I never in my twenties, early thirties thought that I would say those words. <laughs> mm, yeah, no, that's, that's so good. And I think you, that phrase, the idea of like in the end, letting go gives you nothing, but within that experience of nothing, you receive everything. Like everything. to me, that already reveals the journey you're on of start of like really seeing that starting to experience that more deeply or else that wouldn't really say anything to you. Yeah. yeah and yeah. that's why I tell a story I, in, in that book, I believe around that time of like, I'm playing in the, my daughter's like one, like I have a six and a four year old right now. Mm-hmm. And at that point we still were in a house. I'm in a building right now. If you can see I'm on like the 37th floor here, but <laughs> in the front yard, I remember we were playing. My daughter's like in diapers. We just have a hose out there. It's just like rolling around in the grass, you know, at that point. And I felt my mind start to wander off and think about like other people my age and like a platform. And if I ever want to write or like, I wasn't really thinking about writing, but just everything. My mind's going there and people are getting ahead and people, what if people are passing you by and they're grinding and working harder and I'm, I'm just here. And I just, as you catch your ego contracting and your mind racing like that, I step back and I say, well, if I really want to be awake and present and alive and here for my daughter, I have to let go of my need to keep up with people who are grinding like that. I have to let go of this ego need to be further ahead, to write by this age, to have this platform or whatever it is, the only way I can be present to my child who needs me and who's my love is shaping their very foundation. That's a profound thing when you really sure. think about it. It's a kind of scary actually, it really but it's also is. a very empowering. I'm like, I have to let go of that. And mm-hmm. to me, this is a little sidebar. I feel like as a follower of Jesus, it's like an ironic form of letting go. I write about that in the books. I'm like, our letting go can be ironic because What you're letting go of is the obsessive grind that gives you the kind of platform to talk about the kind of life that is only experienced (laughs) if you let go of the need for the platform in the first place. It's crazy, right? right? Yes. Yes. And and when you do, in that moment, when I choose to let go, it doesn't give, when I say it gives you nothing, no one recognizes you. You're not going to get a platform from that. It gives you nothing productive and tangible and quantifiable. Mm -hmm. But if I can accept and embrace within that nothingness, now I'm here. Now I'm present. Now I have this subtle smile on my face. I think I even had like a tear in my eye when I had that moment and returned well to mm-hmm. my daughter. I'm like, this letting go gives me nothing. And within that nothing, all of a sudden, everything I've ever wanted is all in front of me because I'm no longer anywhere else. I'm not grinding. My ego's not contracting. I'm not forcing anything. I'm just here. So mm-hmm. let it, that's an amazing paradox that mystics always know is Within nothingness, you find everything, and sometimes you have everything, and it feels like nothing, you know. And, yeah. and letting go gives you nothing. Mm-hmm. But then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, you're like, "But the fact that it gave me nothing, and I'm okay with that." In the sense of what I said, all of a sudden, yes. everything everything emerges, and I'm like, "I'm here. I'm we're we're here. What else is there?" 
That's you know, right. sometimes in those moments, we have a choice. It's usually unconscious to either take control externally or let go internally. Which one is really going to set us free in the moment? But I will add to that point that sometimes, though, you have to achieve whatever it is that you've been craving to then see it's not everything mm. you thought it was going to be mm. for then you to be able to let go. Cause I don't mm. think all of us are capable of letting go before we're able to taste the thing. I am that totally. way where I mm. have to actually taste it, feel it, smell it to then be able to walk away from it because I had to see what it looked like. And it actually didn't so bring good. me happiness Definitely. and it left me empty. So now I can walk away. If that makes totally. sense. Absolutely. That's why George Bernard Shaw says the only thing worse than not getting what you want is getting what you want. Yep. <laughs> That's why I ask people like pastorally in friendships and guiding kind of relationships. And the point you're saying is so true because what we're really talking about is illusions. You know, when you mm -hmm. talk about that, that which we thought was ultimate, it was going to give us life and you get it and you're like, nothing magic click for me. I'm not happy all of a sudden. This didn't, didn't actually deliver. Yep. And a consistent question I have you know, I can have for others who are wrestling with illusions or we can have for ourselves if we take mm -hmm. the time to listen to our own life is how many times do you have to taste something to know it isn't good? How many times do you have to experience something to know it isn't real? Because once I actually achieve something and I take it into myself, like you said, and I see it doesn't deliver. Now, I through the impotence, through the lack of what it I thought it was going to give me is available to me and I see it and I feel it for myself. Now I can actually let go of it. Cause I'm like, wow, that doesn't actually do what I thought. And now mm -hmm. I can be freed from it. But you're right. We, we get there. We have, that's why Thomas Merton says, you know, most of us spend the first 35 years of our lives climbing the ladder only to get to the top and realize the ladder was propped up against the wrong building. Oh, that's devastating. So it's like, <laughs> it is. And th no that's what, that's what, that's what I'm saying about my work in this book is like, I almost don't want to say that to people because we have to taste it for ourselves. But when you climb the ladder to the top and you realize the ladder is in the wrong building, what do we do then? Some people quietly deny what they've seen and just keep climbing, convincing mm -hmm, climbing, yeah. convincing themselves. Oh no, yeah. if I just go higher. No, the issue is not going higher. The issue is the the journey in and of itself you're on is not going to give you what you thought it was going to give you. Now, what do I do at 35? Start over? That's mm -hmm. scary. That's why I'm saying like, I say it jokingly, but I know how real this all is for our lives. So mm -hmm. yes, That's I'm with right. you on that. Yeah. yeah. It kind of brings you into the whole idea of expectations too, of what you mm. wrote about in the book. I really resonated with that. And I feel, especially with so many who are listening right now, the, the idea of expectations, you know, the, the trauma that we've carried from childhood or whatever, wherever our trauma happened, we carry that mm. into our later life. And as you say, those things have the power to expose the expectations that we have. Mm. And the expectations are the things that are getting in the way of our joy, of our peace, of our, of our, oh, yeah. Yes. That's expectations are a tough one. And I feel like there's mm -hmm. some resistance from people naturally when you talk about letting go of expectations, because I would say, well, one acceptance, which there's a chapter about acceptance in the book, you know, mm -hmm. acceptance is always required before letting go. Mm -hmm. You cannot let go of something you have not first accepted and felt all the way through. That's and right. like, 
I thought about in the book, actually early on, just the book would have been called like the art of acceptance or something, but I decided to go with letting go. Cause for me, I could have written it about acceptance. Cause for me, they're so interconnected, mm-hmm. but acceptance is always a funeral for our ideals, expectations, and illusions. Mm-hmm. That's why yeah. I accept, if I accept this, I could, for I could give everything in a relationship and a person does not reciprocate and do and respond the way I want. That's a, So not only do I have to accept it in this personal relationship, but if I zoom out, I say, actually, in life itself, you can give your whole heart to something or someone and some people will be indifferent. That's a really hard thing to accept. I can really care and really be passionate about something and other people and love someone well, and they could still betray me and leave. That's a hard thing. That, that's a hard thing to accept about life because mm-hmm. then- yeah. I'm not going to give love anymore. I'm not going to do that. I'll shut down parts of my heart. I'm over it. No. If I accept that I can continue to open my heart more and more without the expectations that were crushing me in the first place, mm-hmm. it's, it isn't the love. It's the expectations on how I thought my life was supposed to work out, how you were supposed to respond to me, what kind of success I was supposed to have. If I gave this much, it was the expectations that were getting in the way of the joy and the peace that I desired in my work, in my life as a whole. And that's why I tell people the enlightened path has no expectations. Mm-hmm. None. And that is so, it's so hard. <laughs> it's so hard. You know, I think there's so many levels of that. You know, the expectation that other people would treat me as well as I treat them. Think about me the way mm-hmm. I think about them. You know, that's just, that's baseline. Then we get into that person in that role in my life did not show up the way that that Mm. role should have shown up. You know, you think about survivors of sexual abuse and their mom didn't believe when they told Mm. for the first time, you know, the expectation that a mother would protect her young from abuse. Mm. That's, that's real deep. then you have the, the idea, I think too, of the expectations of that people will show up for me now. You know, mm. now that I'm talking about my abuse and I'm healing that, that they would show up for me in my healing journey and be a good listener and not, you know, make toxic, like, I don't know, assumptions about me or, mm-hmm. or tell me I need to do this or, you know, all of those things. There's, there's so many expectations. Um, I think that we carry with us and we don't even, we don't even think that they're expectations that we have, but they mm. are. And I think from, you know, we're, we're moving into the holiday season and we mm. always do for our support group, for our Unleash um, survivors who go through our eight week course, we offer a holiday survival Zoom gathering. And it's so great. Mm. And one of the biggest things that we talk about is like, you have to expect mm. the people to be the way they've always been, you know, mm-hmm. like. Uncle Joe is going to show up to this holiday gathering the way he has for the last 20 years. But we go into those gatherings hoping and, and, and wanting him to show up in this whole different way, because we know this is what we deserve, Mm. but he won't. Mm. (laughs) So I think a lot of just finding that joy, that peace, that ability to walk into a room with people is dropping, like you say, the expectations, um, and learning that we are liberated when we do Mm. we let people show up and be who they're going to be yeah yeah letting go of expectations liberates us to begin again Mm. and again and again and 
that's the truth of even the concreteness of relationships, say with family is like, Mm -hmm. why would you expect somebody to do something that they've never showed you? They've had the capacity to do in their entire life. Yeah. That that's I, there's like this quote is it comes from Ken Wilber I don't know if it's verbatim but he says like something hurts because it's painful but it bothers you because you can't accept it mm-hmm. you know it stays with you it lingers it sticks to you because there's a form of non-acceptance there maybe some expectations weren't met and I've had big moments in my life I don't want to like say it for people in my family who it is but I've had big moments in my life where people did not show up and support in a way that you would think is like the bare minimum. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, you know, I'm talking with my wife and she feels for me, you know, my wife's a feeler and she obviously cares about me. And she's like, we're talking about it in the moment. And I'm like, does it hurt? Yes. Does it surprise me? No. Mm-hmm. And it's not because I have a callous heart. It's because I allow the shape of people's existence to be what it is. And it's my responsibility to act with the proper boundaries and the proper wisdom after they've shown me for five, 10, 15, 20, 30 years, who they are, Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? And that allows me to keep loving them well without expecting them to need, without expecting them to be something they've never, ever, ever shown. They have the capacity to be right. Their behavior is their responsibility. But what I do with that, how I respond to it, how I take it in and how I relate to them in the future, that's my responsibility. And that's an empowering thing because now I took the power back to know, well, some people, because of how they are, I limit my time with them. Mm -hmm. These are quick little 15 minutes in and out. You know, this is after dinner, if everyone's, you know, doing drinking more, doing this, this is when I remove myself because this Mm -hmm. is what happens with in these groups or whatever it is. So it's it's not letting go of expectations means you're no longer surprised when the things that have always happened happened yeah you know and, yeah. and it allows me it takes to your power back when you totally. value yourself enough to expect reality mm, and to lower yeah. your expectations of what you hope for i think mm. then you can set the correct boundaries with these certain individuals and, and I do think it takes your power back in a way that, um, like you said, it's empowering. As I say in the first book, I'm like, there's a difference between hope and expectations. Mm. Hope says, I really want this for you, but I'll be okay. No matter what decision you make <laughs> expectations say, I really want this for you and I won't be okay. And I will be angry and resentful if you don't react the way I want. Well, no, that's why letting go of expectations isn't letting go of hope. I would love for the transformation. I would love for that. I believe in the possibility of transformation for people or else I wouldn't do what I do. But also my freedom is me being okay, grounded and centered, regardless of whether or not you ever make the decisions that I think are helpful for you and for the people around you. That's not my business. That's not my responsibility. Mm-hmm. As we're yeah. talking about this, as you were saying earlier, when you zoom out, the broader scope of expectations is wanting things to be fair. That's how mm. my brain interprets it. Mm. Life should have looked this way. And so it's accepting that life is not fair in every area of life, which is devastating to think about because mm. black and white world, it should be fair. Mm. You know, totally. And yeah, that's so interesting. You say that, Mary, because I don't know why my brain and my mind works like this, but like, I love one liners. Mm-hmm. Like I love one line. I love words. I really do. You know, if you can capture a whole 10 minute section to like one line that holds, well, I just love that. So one of my favorite things. And sometimes after I write or if I'm working on teaching stuff, 
I'll wrap up a section and be like, how do, like intentionally, how do I say this with one line? But other times in silence, when I'm walking, one-liners just come to my mind. It's, I don't know why. And last night, Mary, I kid you not, I was walking through my kitchen and I said, life isn't always fair, but it is beautiful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's all right, not even always, life isn't fair, but it's beautiful. And my four and six-year-olds, you know, it's, you got this and he, you know, he got four Skittles and she got, you know, cause at that developmental mm-hmm. stage, there's a fairness, but mm-hmm. there will come a day as hard as it is to accept as a parent, where when you get older, you're like, life isn't fair. They're Ooh. at four and six. That's not the conversation. Yeah. At depending on what they go through in their life and when things happen, there will come a time where that truth will break apart this tit for tat universe that your mind, the expectations that I do this universe does that I do this God responds. I, that it's a tragic thing to let go of that imagination of how life works. But again, when we let go of that, it makes room for gift. It makes room for surprise. It makes room for beauty in the midst of the pain, the joy and the suffering. They don't cancel each other out. Mm -hmm. They coexist. Like, that's why in one part of the book, I say, uh, my joy is the space where happiness and heaviness become one. Mm. Because joy and acceptance is a container that holds all of these things together in our life. So imagine like acceptance is like a container that holds together joy and pain, light and dark, shakes them all up and transforms them into one thing, which is your life or life itself. It's all one thing, you know, doesn't mean you have to enjoy every part of it, but you do have to accept mm-hmm. it and learn and start to break down those different categories our mind wants to do, but doesn't actually help in the long run. So mm-hmm. Yeah. Although I don't want to say it. I hope I prefer not to have to say it to my kids when they're older. (laughs) (laughs) I already told mine from the beginning. You're crying because life's not fair. (laughs) Yeah, you're three. All right. You got to learn by now. It ain't fair. Pull up the bootstraps. You You don't get get milk duds today. All right. It's not fair. (laughs) I didn't get what I wanted. Life is not fair. Exactly. Exactly it is. Right. And I'm eating the milk duds, not you, because (laughs) life is not fair for you. (laughs) This new year can be different. The new year can be about you for a change, doing something for your health, your healing, and for survivors. There's no better place than the community and space we've created in Unleash. We still have a few spots open for our next round of cohorts. There is a group of women and there is a group for men. Just go to the website, IamOneVoice.org slash Unleash. That's IamOneVoice.org slash Unleash. You'll get all the information there and you can get registered as well. You talked also similarly about moving from fixing to feeling and being able Mm. to feel in this world. And you know, that I think a lot of us, we, especially as survivors of abuse, we, we do have such a well of compassion and you have, you talked a lot about compassion, which I loved reading Mm. your thoughts on that, but um, letting go of the need to change Mm. the world completely right or to save a specific person um realizing we can't fix people Mm. we can't change them so we we let go of the expectation of how they're going to show up in our room but also 
letting go of the idea that we can actually change them. Mm. <laughs> you know, I think a lot of us go through our lives in, in feeling that way in one way or another, whether it's compassion or whether it's because we're angry because they suck. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, yeah. I just wonder if you could talk a little bit about, about that. Yeah, no, I'm glad that you <clears throat> thinking about people who are listening, who are deep wells of compassion usually totally. for other people and not for themselves. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of that idea of letting go of the need to fix or change, at least for me, it moved from always looking at the world and others and all the things that were wrong with everything else. And then realizing like that compassion can actually come back toward myself. And when it does, it makes me more equipped to even enter into other rooms and with mm -hmm. broken people mm -hmm. and broken systems. <clears throat> Yeah, that's, I'm glad that you sort of zeroed in on that. You know, I talk about in the book, this is, there's a moment where we move from fixing to feeling. Like compassion in the Latin term literally means to suffer with somebody. So to have compassion is not to change, fix, or mold somebody into something else. It's actually to be present and to bear witness to the suffering of another person, which to be honest, is one of the hardest things we can do. Because when I'm caring for, when, if I'm present to somebody I care about and they're hurting and it's tragic and there's trauma or whatever it is, mm -hmm. to resist my impulse to give an explanation, to offer a logical conclusion of why you shouldn't be hurting this way or <laughs> to give you three steps to get out of it. No, compassion, that's why I say compassion is an invitation for us to feel. You can't have compassion without the willingness to feel. I have to, I'm not here to fix you. I'm here to feel with you in what you're feeling. And we avoid that because if I'm going to be present to your suffering and what you're feeling, usually that requires me to be present to my own suffering and the things I don't want to feel. That's why, why do we make sarcastic jokes when someone's getting vulnerable? You know, why does someone get all uncomfortable when someone's sharing things? Because what is required, the powerlessness of just feeling with somebody mm. is so disarming, unsettling and destabilizing. That is one of the most difficult things where a person I care about is hurting and you can feel the impulses arising within your space of consciousness being like, I want to say this, I want to fix this. No, I want to fire off everything and to, to <laughs> disarm all of that and have the unguarded your unguarded sort of armor of just faith, hope, love, and presence in the moment. It's very, it, it requires a, it actually asks us to do nothing, which is the hardest thing mm -hmm. to just be present. And, you know, we, for years I'd imagine, cause last time we talked, we were like just about to close down. I don't know if we talked about yeah. that, but my wife and I started and led a church in this neighborhood for almost a decade. And so we had our last Sunday ever, May 29th. And my book came out two days later. And one of the experiences that people love so much with Imagine was what we did on Good Friday. So Good Friday, the passion of Christ, the journey towards the cross. If people are familiar with Catholic or more liturgical traditions, there's something called the stations of the cross. Mm -hmm. It's like 13 stations, like all the 13 defining moments leading up to the crucifixion. You know, Jesus is betrayed by Peter. Jesus is helped with his cross while he's walking. It's these 13 moments. And what we would do for Good Friday, we would do a music and storytelling event. So I would get up, talk about one of the stations Jesus is betrayed by, you know, Peter. And then I would say, how many of us know what it's like to be betrayed by people you care about? 
And then someone from our community gets up in front of everybody, sits in a chair, tells their own story of being betrayed. And then we sing a chorus together and then we go to the next one. It's the heaviest. I mean, people are sharing stories of sexual assault of dads who aren't around. Like it's very heavy, right? Mm -hmm. And we were practicing as a community what it means to be people of compassion. Because when someone shared a gut-wrenching tears, like, you know, this um, really moment where everyone's connected, no one says anything. Yeah. No one claps. No one's like, we love you, you know, but don't worry. It's all. No, no one gets to say anything. They finish. No, they finish the story. They sit back down. We sing a chorus together and we move to the next one. And for me, I'm like, that is us to connect both of what you were saying. That is us practicing real compassion and suffering with others. And in the end, discovering that in the cross, it's God's solidarity and practicing compassion with all of us too. The cross is God's, the solidarity of the divine and the suffering of humanity on the cross saying, I'm with you. I know how this feels. Whenever you are here, you're not alone in this. It is a God who is perpetually involved in and holding together our suffering. And so that was a communal practice for people to be like, there's a way to just be present and bear witness and to be people of compassion. And sometimes you just have to keep your mouth shut. I know you want to fix them. I know you want to explain. No, just be yeah. with them. That's, that's in the end. That's actually what's going to help them move through it and not bypass the whole process. Oh, I love that. Mary, you want, you should have gone to one of those. I can tell by your face. You would have oh, loved it. <laughs> I, just, I mean, I'm throwing chairs out of the way and running to the front to hug this person. And Come here. I just, I can't, even my skin's crawling as you're sharing the story, but I remember I was walking the journey with someone going to rehab and I hopped on a plane. I was down there with part of the experience. And I remember we were in one of the sessions. It was like a family education session and people are burying their soul and crying and just the most heartbreaking stories. And there's no hugging allowed, which I wanted to Mm. die. I just can't. But they're, they said, and in the therapy sessions, we're not hugging. And I just, I get it now that I'm older and wiser, but dang, that is hard. Oh, mm. that is so hard. It's so hard. Mm. Compassion, mm. there's real compassion requires you to embrace a certain form of powerlessness. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the accepting powerlessness in the compassion moment, think about that story. Power, accepting powerlessness is the death of the illusion that you are in control. You have to feel that in them. You can't control this person's life. Mm-hmm. You can't control whether or not this happens to people. It's the death of the ego's need to prevent our loved ones from feeling pain. Now, the people I love are going to get hurt sometimes. That's really hard to accept. And it's really heartbreaking. Yeah. It's the death of the belief that we're responsible for anyone else's emotions too. I can be present and hold together your life as an incarnational mm-hmm. embodiment of the spirit who holds all things together. But also your emotions are your emotions. And I cannot take on the 100% responsibility of those or it will crush me. And being compassionate means something within us always needs to die, which means there's something we have to let go of. All those things. What do you have to let go of to be compassionate? Your need to fix, your need to avoid pain, your Mm -hmm. need to believe that the people you love are not going to be hurt well that's not how that's not how all this works you know compassion Mm -hmm. requires it requires nothing which requires everything from us it's so fascinating Mm -hmm. and as you say in the process it enables you to enjoy the people exactly you know the journey to experience god in the midst of it not be god really exactly 
and distorted warped minds like mine, it feels unfair because at the root of us, it is coming from a genuine place. We think to want to just care and be in the pain, but yeah, it is disciplining yourself to stop because when you take away all the smoke and mirrors, it actually is not just to be in the pain. It's about avoidance. Um, Mm. Some, some, some pain in the moment cannot be cured. It can only be carried. Mm-hmm. And we want to cure it and fix it. Like Henry Nowen talks about too many like, churches try to provide cures before they learn to care. It's because we don't want to feel it. You know, that's why yeah. so much preaching and stuff is just seriously spiritual bypassing. How can I lead you into a place to feel the fullness of your own grief and acceptance when they have no idea how to do that? That's why they have to bypass it because they don't know how to do it themselves. You know, that's not a judgment. That's just of their value. That's just how we've been shaped, you know? Especially yeah. with like, you know, an American, pull yourself by your own bootstraps. Like, don't complain, just keep going. And it's, that isn't helpful actually for a whole life, maybe for success, but not for a whole life. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the carrying, the suffering with and what it requires of us, it's a big, big, big thing. But I think that's one of the reasons leading a church for almost a decade and starting one, my wife and I, why I never burned out. I never had any form of burnout. I never did anything. And a big part of that was like, cause I, I was like, I can let other people be. Mm. That's what I think about religious leaders. I'm like, why can't you just let other people be? Oh my gosh. You're, right. you're a guide. You're a teacher. You're a guide. Mm. You're a friend. You're a pastor. You're not them. They're not my children. They're not five. No matter what they've been through, they're not four. I, I don't have that role in their life. You know, I'm a friend, I'm a pastor, I'm a guide. I will, the humbling part about being a pastor is I say to people, I will go as far into your life as you're willing to go, allow me. So my my relationship with you is on your terms. My, I divest myself of power, ego expectations, whatever you, you want to go further, let's go. You want, I, I speak a little bit, let's go further ahead. You want to stay here? You can stay. You're going to get hurt. You're going to make some self-destructive decisions, but I'm not going to lose sleep at night when you do that. But the moment you're ready to go further, I'm ready to go with you. And that's what I believe the spirit does for us. Mm -hmm. That's one thing people don't talk about is the humility of a God who knocks on the door of our heart and never demands to come in. The humility of a God who says, I will keep calling you forward, but never require you or shame you or coerce you to go there. That's a beautiful, that's an amazing thing. And I think we have the chance as healers, as people of compassion to mirror and embody and incarnate that same presence for others. I'm a guide. You can come here or not. I have to let my life work is to still have the courage to call you and invite you and also not need you to go for my own ego needs. That is a lifelong journey for us to do the work we do and not lose our own peace and joy along the way. Good. So Mary, if you want it with every head bowed and every eye closed, do I see a hand in the back, Mary? Too? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, she so crawled under her desk. Oh, I have so much work to do. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. I feel like a lot of this letting go is a lot of like coming home to ourselves. Do you, Kevin? You know, like the idea of like what we're just talking about, like feeling so secure that like 
the way that other people live their lives does not affect my sleep right Mm. you know um but also you know that goes into another topic that you you brought up like as you're growing Mm. you know i'm always thinking about our listeners and the survivors that um especially are in our unleash groups it's like a lot of times we can show up in our little survivor community. We can put our bags at the door. We can take the masks off, throw them out the window, show up with one another as a different person than we show up in the world as. Mm-hmm. And we're, our true desire is to be that person out there everywhere. But we are afraid of, you know, what you said, like growth will offend people. Our mm. freedom will scare people. Mm. The changes that we're making that we feel really good about and are really healthy, they will challenge people. You said that in your book, um, but it, it's coming home to ourselves to a point where this way, the changes, the growth, the healing, the freedom, the hope that mm. we have, all of those things, we can now carry it out there and the way that other people feel about us or feel about the changes don't matter. Mm, that we're mm. so at home in ourselves that we don't have to fix everybody and we don't have to show up in a certain way for everyone else. Mm. Yes, like growing and evolving is challenging and scary and difficult for many levels. You know, even if we think about trauma, in order to there's a time where your your coping mechanisms, your survival tactics, you need them. Yeah, you know that's a part of personality growing up, right? We've that's developed right. these tactics to protect ourselves, to make sense of life, to gain a sense of groundedness in what often feels like and ha- and for many many people in their homes, life was chaotic. Yeah. That's not bad. That's mm-hmm. a part of the journey. You needed those things. That's right. But thanks for saying that the survival tactics that helped you get to 21 might get in the way of you receiving love at 34. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because that thing that protected you, you didn't let people close enough because of the the constant threat people were to you. You needed that as a teenager or 10, whatever, whatever age. But at 34, when there's someone who while imperfect really wants to love you well, if you keep those survival tactics up, if you keep those walls up that you had back then, the love this person wants to share and give to you won't be able to get to the places within you that you need and desire it the most. Mm-hmm. And we have to do some letting go. That that's a that's why early on in the book I say something about letting go feels like a stripping off of the clothes that have kept us warm for so long. It's a letting go of the armor that's protected us in our life for so long. But yeah. There, those are defining moments, both in, I think, being able to receive love directly from God and also receive love from people around us is, mm. oh, that narrative, that story that protected me for so long is now getting in the way. Can I dare to let go of that, lay it down and choose that vulnerable and courageous path of allowing myself to be cared for, allowing myself to be seen? Like you said earlier about compassion, allowing someone else to extend compassion and to suffer with me in the places I need someone Mm. to carry me through this if I face it. I need someone to be present to me and to incarnate flesh and blood love in order for me to feel the fullness of what I have to accept, right? So I think that is such an important thing. Like I shared a story in the book. I don't know if you read that story where my wife and I were at this event in DC and, uh, 
when we were there, my wife was, my wife was like seven months pregnant at the time. And she was hosting this event. And at the end of the event, you know, it's like a worship communion time. And this woman named Deb Hirsch, who's like a writer, you know, she's awesome. And I've like really admired her. And we met her at a different event. She came over and she wanted to pray for us. You know, we're about to have a kid and she's great. And I remember in that moment when she came over and wanted to pray, I could feel my body like tense up and I could feel my ego like contracting because the narrative, right? We talk about things that protect us. The narrative I've carried for so long is she doesn't really mean this. She just has to do this. This is an obligation. You know, I guess one of my, one of my ego default patterns, greatest fears ever is like being a burden to other people. Mm. Like the idea of people caring for me as an obligation, like I, that's like one of my greatest fears. And so when this woman comes over who I admire, who's like a great writer and who like I look up to is like, it's this beautiful moment. And I could feel myself being like, she doesn't really mean this, like whatever. I'll let her pray for her because she wants to do this. But I could feel like distancing myself from the moment in real time. Yeah. I could feel it happening. And in the moment, as I catch myself, and this is how the transformation and transcending some of these narratives and walls works was another voice was like, Kevin, maybe some people can just care about you. Maybe you can just let someone pray for you and your wife and your child who's coming into the world soon. Like maybe it's a, maybe then maybe I'm not a burden to her. Maybe she really like, like, you know, likes us. Maybe she really has a connection with us. Like it's okay to let someone just care for you. And then once I could feel that and I could feel myself like coming back to the moment and I could feel my spirit like uncoiling and relaxing. And what happens the moment I do that? I freaking start crying because it's awesome. You know, I want to be cared for. <laughs> yeah. Oh. But that, and, yeah, and then, you know, and then like maybe, you know what I mean? Just and, accepting the maybe. And my, that's what I'm saying about the survival. Like my survival tactic growing up was like the moment someone showed something, I could be like, I never cared about them in the first place. I'm over it. That's like my defense mechanisms. I never liked yeah. you in the first place. You right. know, that's what I would tell myself. Yeah. And, but that thing that protected me at 16 was now getting in the way of the flow of love and life and grace that wanted to give itself to me at 32 at that point. Mm -hmm. I had to surrender that. Can I dare to, that was armor. Can I surrender that armor and allow this to come up? And that's what was required of me courageously to keep growing in the world. Not just with me and my my, my wife or not just no, with, with everybody in the world. Can I dare to be open out there in the same way I, I am in this, this community we're in, in this group? you know, and knowing I could open myself up and I'm at a point where even if someone didn't respond the way I wanted, I'd still be okay. Right. That's a, that's a real sign of growth right there as I'm growing. So that didn't directly answer your question, but I do think that story is really important because we all have those and recognizing them in real time is so powerful. Cause I'm like, I could feel myself distancing from the one thing I want more than anything else. Like mm. human beings are insane and fascinating creatures, we constantly resist the spaces that have the capacity to give us the things we desire the most. What do I want more than anything? Connection. What do I resist? Any space to be vulnerable. Well, there is no connection without vulnerability. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, that's so that that for the growth and showing up is I can let I can slowly allow like this unguarded presence to start to I can chip away at some of those walls. I can let people, because now I've discovered I'm strong enough. Even if some of the hurt gets in, it doesn't destroy me. It just hurts for a little bit. 
and now I can keep going. So yeah. 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 Oh, there's so much there of just like paying attention, you know, just Mm. paying attention to, you know, how do I feel about this thing? How am I thinking about this thing rather than just being a robot and just continuing these patterns of the way we're doing life and relationships and work, but like actually seeing like, like Mary, you said, zooming out and then Mm being having a willingness to just do it a little bit differently this time Mm. maybe let let it go a little bit you know and Mm. see how it goes and and then um maybe a little bit more next time yeah Mm. i love that yeah Mm. and i think the idea of letting go you know as we're kind of wrapping up our time you know i think it is from the gates scary but mm. once you really dive into all of the different ways that your book really talks about, you realize how powerful it is mm. in our lives and how freeing it truly can be. It doesn't have to be scary. It can actually mm. be, like you said, our joy. Mm. Yeah, that's for me. I really like about it a year ago I don't remember when it was I was on a walk at a park near my house and as I was walking I just had this thought I said I want to write a book about Jesus you know just after 10 years of pastoring and leading in my own unique journey and wherever I'm at it's like what I laugh because I'm like with my own journey as a mystic and to me I'm like everything is about direct experience from God your faith is not primarily what you believe about God it's actually being known by God that's a very different orientation than here's a belief system and you have to believe it and that's what makes you a Christian right right not that beliefs aren't important at all but it's actually not the whole point of this Mm -hmm. and And I'm like, I've read everything people have read that can make them not a Christian. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like all the stuff of like deconstructing and this and this philosopher and genealogical critiques. Like I've done all, I've really wrestled through that work for a long time, to be honest. And I'm like, yeah, leaving the church, not saying Jesus-y things out of obligation because I'm a pastor. I'm like, Mm -hmm. I'm a Christian. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? It's like, I'm, I'm a Christian. But what is why is that important and what does that mean to me really and so it got me off on you know the this the third book that i'm actually like working on right now you know so that means i'm gonna hit you up again good next year for it it's exciting but to me i'm like the whole story is life death and resurrection Mm -hmm. incarnation will you dare to give yourself open-heartedly to this world crucifixion hard things are going to happen mm-hmm. you will you will get hurt you will face you will come face to face with illusions you never wanted to let go of you will wrestle with reality itself until you finally submit mary you can't hold on forever we gotta let go mm-hmm. <laughs> and We're- then but every time you trust the death Every time you let go, you can become and experience that same unstoppable divine life force that was present in the resurrection of Christ. That for me is when you talk about things getting easier, every time you let go on the other side is more joy and more peace. Every time you die to things that are no longer helping you and working you, even though it feels impossible Mm -hmm. to ever let go of those things or accept that or forgive that person or whatever you're gripping on tight. Every time you do that, it's a little more spacious on the other side. 
And you're actually more you on the other side. The things that you thought were you, you can never let go of, were actually getting in the way of the fullness of you emerging on the other side. That to me, I'm like, that's the story. And so letting go, like David Foster Wallace says, you know, everything I ever let go of has claw marks on it. And I say, it doesn't have to be like that always. I get that. Of course, we're going to wrestle with things and hold on. But the more you let go, like that's why I say in the book, the only way to get better at letting go is by letting go. Mm. And the more you do it, the better you become because you walk to the edge of boundaries of your old self, things you didn't want to let go of. And you think I'm anxious. I don't want to do this. I'm scared. But another part of me is like, well, I've been here before Mm -hmm. I've done this. And every time I did it, every time I really chose to forgive, I was more whole on the other side. What would make me think the spirit who carried me through three years ago in that big moment would not also carry me through in this moment? The spirit who holds all things together will hold me together as I feel my way through this, which is really hard. But if I exhaust this painful thing of all of its energy, the only thing that's left is God and me and life. And we're still going. So that's just like, it's like taking risks in life, you know, choosing to love, choosing to be vulnerable, letting go. The more you do it, the better you become because you're like, none of this is going to kill me. You know, we, our ego relates to failure. Like it's death. It's not, it's just failure. Mm -hmm. Failure isn't death. It just sucks. And it's embarrassing. Who cares? (laughs) It's embarrassing to the ego who's getting in the way in the first place. Yeah. Who cares? You know, that's why failure is so important. I don't wish it upon anybody. Like it's not a good thing, but it's, it's a necessary part of the journey because Mm -hmm. in that failure, I was forced to confront, the greatest boundaries and fears of my ego transcend them, move beyond them and be like, I'm okay. Hmm. It didn't kill me. And letting go dying to things. It's that's all constantly crossing over thresholds of the unknown, learning to befriend the unknown because God is the God of the unknown who carries us through to the other side every single time. And that's, Hmm. that's why to me, letting go is just beneath the surface of everything we do. Can you begin again? Probably something you need to let go of. Can I be a person of compassion? Probably some letting go I have to do. Can I choose to take another risks in my life? Probably some letting go. Like it's always right there, just on the edge of everything we want. Yeah. Mm. And you don't ever think about it that way until you really do Mm. think about it. Mm. It (laughs) is. And that's, that's one of, that's one of the things why this book was very organic for me to write because I've thought about this for so long. I'm like, I sit with somebody, you know, it's a very long story. They're going through hard things, but really quickly, I'm like, there's just something really hard you have to accept. Your dad's never, ever going to show up the way you want him to. It isn't this, it isn't a million other, we want it to be a million other things than the one thing it is. You just have to practice some acceptance and do some letting go. It sucks. It's really hard, but there is a path forward. You know, I think as human beings, we prefer complex and comfortable over Mm -hmm. simple and hard. I'd rather tell a story that's so complex. There's, it's a web you can never untangle. I'm like, nah, the way through this is actually just being honest with somebody. And it's just really hard to do. It's simple. It's simple and hard. You want complex and easy. No, it's simple. It's just really hard. Well, so. and it's also what you just said right there is you don't want the one thing that you know is true in your heart to be true because it's so <laughs> devastating. It's like, let exactly. it be what you just said. Let it be anything else. Like, let's... <laughs> 
throw all this stuff on the board, but don't let it be that one thing. And then it is, mm, and that's rocks totally. your world. And it's completely devastating because how mm. do you accept that? Because it's the one thing that hurts the most. Totally. So can I just work harder? Can I just add stuff to my to-do list, please? Can I just move faster? Oh. <laughs> ay, ay, ay. I'm so glad I have counseling on Friday. <laughs> I think you just like, had counseling. Like, I, did the, I did this podcast Literally. and here, here's the thing. Ay, ay, I think ay. this podcast is counseling. Uh, <laughs> I just, I can't. I need my bed. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. Kevin, your book is so good. I love everything you're bringing up and I hope everyone will will go out and find it because you also compare Jesus to Amy Schumer and I can't get over that metaphor. It's oh my gosh. It's that so story. Uh, good. Now yeah. that's that story. I'll save it for people reading. Please. Yes. But that story about not needing power, Jesus, children, Amy Schumer, and then Ye and Kim is just it all and it, it's all so true it's just yeah. to me when i i'm like this is just too good it's yes. it all works together too well <laughs> absolutely and also another teaser for all of you helpers that are listening and healers and people who have such a deep love compassion and doing great work fighting injustice in the world kevin has a whole chapter about that and how mm. like to not burn out in this work and how to step back and, and and continue to have that heart and to fight against the things that are unjust, but also to stay in the fight for ourselves and mm. for everybody else. And that was such mm. a really meaningful chapter too. Thanks Kevin for what mm. you're doing. Thanks that you're mm-hmm. continuing to write. We'll look forward mm. to having you back for your third book in like five months. Hitch up in three, hitch up in three months. Yeah. Yeah. Hitch you up in March. Fastest writer I've ever met. That's amazing. We'll let people know just about your book, where you want them to find you, if you want them to connect with you or if you don't. Yeah, no, no, no. Of course. One, I also, if you, if you wanted to listen more, I have a podcast called the church needs therapy. That's right. And so I do roughly half of those of interviews like this and half my own teachings connected with whatever it is I'm thinking about at the time. <laughs> um, the best way to follow day to day is Instagram at Kevin Sweeney one. And then, yeah, the book, the joy of letting go on choir publishing comes out January 3rd. Okay. So be on the lookout for that. Yeah. Right. New year. There's, there's more you can add. I want to do this, or perhaps there's things you need to declutter and remove out of the way for the new year. So maybe the joy of letting go is a helpful way of not doing more, but actually, letting go of some of the things that are getting in the way. So it's, I'm glad it's coming out right at that time. So yeah, I'm so grateful for both of you having me back. This is so fun. Yeah, it was good. And what great timing for the new year. I mean, sign up for your gym membership, but also get Kevin's book. (laughs) Perfect. Get your, get your cardio in and also do some letting go. That's right. Awesome. Well, thank you, Kevin. Until next time. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to subscribe, write a review if you heard something you liked, even invite others to listen so we can be on this healing journey together. You can check us out on Facebook or go to IamOneVoice.org.